call Alan Watts, see if he's home. Hello? Mr. Alan Watt? That's me, yep. This is Patrick Timpone. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. Good to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Where do you live? I'm up in Ontario, Canada. Uh, oh, you moved? Yeah, I've been here for a while, actually. Oh, you have? Yeah. Why did I think you were in Europe? I don't know. Oh, I've been here before, too. I used to live in uh, some European countries. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's right. So what are you up to these days, Alan? Why are you staying out of trouble? Well, you can't stay out of trouble. I'll always find you. But uh, I t- I'm, right now, in, over this winter... Um, and get some more books together for publishing shortly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's right. How do you spend your days? Well, I mean, up until uh, a couple of months ago, I was doing daily radio shows for for quite a few years. and uh, But this time it's time to catch up and get the other things done that I want to, to do which is really just get more books out and then go back on the radio full-time, maybe. But uh, it's imperative that I get uh, a lot of information out to the public uh, and take a break from just uh, going over the news, dissecting it, and telling telling the public what's behind it all and so on. Yeah. So what's most interesting to you and that you'd like to talk about this morning? Now, what's What's going on in the world that you think my listeners will be curious about? I think everyone's curious uh, because the news doesn't explain the whys of things. And we have facile uh, excuses as to the whys of things, in fact, which make no sense to most people. Uh, various wars, etc., etc. Uh, there's always economic wars going on. There, there always have been economic wars. And most wars really are always economic, all done through history, uh, from the times of ancient kings and Middle Ages as well. Uh, going off to conquer other kingdoms, uh, to steal their, and plunder and tax the people. People don't, people don't realize that a small elite always live off the, the produce and the taxation of the, the bulk of the populations. Uh, at one time, they, they did know that and accepted that slavery was a normal thing. Uh, in the 20th century, in came a thing called democracy, uh, which was a great cover for the same thing, uh, and and they, they, we, we bought it all because it was presented in a great package to the general public with the, the idea of freedoms, etc. But as you can see with the way the world's going today, with a global system which was planned an awful long time ago, we're being taxed into the ground really, and uh, they're now taking away all the freebies and the goodies that we used to have and the cheapies, uh, and so everything's getting very expensive. This is the planned uh, society, world society we're going into, that many of the top uh, socialists talked about over a hundred years ago, in fact, all through the 20th century as well, up to the present. That's where we are today. And so when they talk about austerity, they mean bringing you into a system where you're taxed for everything that you do, everything that you need will have high taxations, your food, shelter, clothing, heat, energy, all these things, uh, that's where your, free, your extra money will end up going to down the road. And um, again, big players in, la- in the last 20, uh, 100 years have, have put this out in their books, lots of professors and so on. They're all on board with it, by the way. And um, under various guises, they've got to bring it in by terrifying the public uh, of global warming, CO2 and all this kind of thing. So 
uh, these are the excuses they're using for, for, for bringing all of this system in. Yeah. So you're saying it's, it's been a long time plan, well planned, to keep taking more money from the people. Now we're, we're hearing about wealth taxes, bails mm-hmm. in, bail-ins, right? Taking like they did in Cyprus. Yeah. Um, austerity. You guys got to tighten your belt here. We need more money. Higher taxes. What's going on in France? Mm-hmm. So why do these people, whoever they are, and we'll talk about that, why do they want it? Why do they want it all? I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I don't get their, that. They think it's their rights. Elitism has always existed, uh, even, even thousands of years ago, small groups of elites. And we've had it down through history with... Uh, even moneylenders, big moneylenders, the big boys, the big families that do this. And they formed their clubs a long time ago, uh, and they, they wanted to bring in this planned society, which was to eliminate all competition, by the way. Eliminate competition. And that's what they always do. Whenever they, they come into a country or an area, they, 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 they dominate markets, they eliminate all competition, and, and they, they run politics too end up running the politics. They don't have to even be in politics. Some of them are, but they don't even have to go into politics. They own politics. Uh, as I say, it's a fantastic sham, the system of democracy uh, and the way it's been presented to the people. We're trained to believe in it. We're actually trained from childhood to believe in it. And we swallow it thinking it's all true. And for your whole life, you're caught up on left versus right, etc., uh, and nothing changes. Things get worse and worse. And it isn't until you go into the books of one of the biggest elitist groups uh, that's probably the, the, the world's largest, and that was the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, as it's called in London. What, what, say it again, please. The that's the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And it's, it's, it's American group, which is called the Council on Foreign Relations, which also owns the, the, the runs the the trilateral commission that Brzezinski and all these big boys belong to. Uh, they were quite open in their, their agenda quite some time ago as to their function and where they bring they're going to bring the world into. They also uh, the the Royal Institute of International Affairs also runs the Fabian Society, which is a far left. Uh, but they also run all, all the far right groups as well. Uh, and when you go into their writings especially by Carl Quigley and others who belong to it. I mean, many of their members uh, put out their memoirs and they're quite blatant about where they're taking the world. And it is into this planned society, population reduction, a global system, uh, the, free, the, the, the free transportation or, or tax-free transportation for themselves, that is, for their international corporations under free trade. Uh, so that they have free trade with the movement of goods services uh, and labor across all borders. Borders were to, were to be eliminated altogether. And they had planned for the 21st century to bring this, this all into completion, uh, to get people off the roads in their cars, uh, to bring in agribusiness corporations that run all massive farms, get everyone else off the rural areas into the big uh, cities, and then manage the populations uh, and, and even maybe even go down the road into compulsory sterilization eventually uh, to eliminate uh, even ethnic groups, to mix them all together uh, was a big, big thing too. Except for the elites themselves who interbreed like crazy and always have done. Uh, but they think it makes only it easier for them to run the world. So you won't have small factions trying to compete with each other 
it'll be, it'll be an easy uh, conquest, an easy way to run the world that way. This is their big, big utopic uh, plan that they have. Hmm. Alan Watt is with us, Cutting Through the Matrix. He's written a lot of things. You can see all of his books, all of his writings on his website, um, Spiral Bomb Paper Books. You can get some pretty very interesting, uh, curious things to think about if you're into that mood. It's 11 minutes after the hour. If you have a question, comment for Alan Watt, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Also, uh, telephone number 888 uh, a more basic idea, Alan Watt, how do you think this whole Affordable Health Act, health Act thing, also known as Obamacare, mm-hmm. how does it fit in with their plans, whoever they are, and that we'll talk about yeah. it? It's diff- it has different functions. Remember, it's not even Obamacare because Hillary Clinton was already working on it with, with groups uh, when she, when, uh, a few, quite a few years back, actually, when she was with her husband. And he was a president. So this is an old plan again, because uh, if you go back, you have to go back into, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, uh, that set up initially the League of Nations, which was a precursor to the, to the United Nations uh, at the end of World War I. In fact, they admit that they were behind fomenting the, 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 the circumstances that brought about World War I in order to get a, a war, massive war going to bring the countries to their knees, hoping then to unify the world under one government. And some of their members, such as H.G. Wells, said, well, the people haven't surrendered their sovereignty, we'll need another war. He wrote wrote about this a couple of times. And even after World War II, before he died, Wells said, uh, and remember, he was a founding member of the Fabian Society, he he said, um, well, we've had another war, and it still won't go through, We'll we'll need another one. Uh, so that's what we're going through today. So uh, if you go back to the League of Nations, now the Royal Institute of International Affairs set up the League of Nations, eventually the United Nations. They were top bankers that, that formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs initially. Uh, and Lord Alfred Milner uh, was one of them. He was at the, one of the top guys uh, eventually. And he was from Germany, but he, he was in Britain and he was a lord. And he, his plan was to foment wars across the world to bring all this about. But he wanted to bring in a standardization of a monetary system which they would control. And so they set up the Bank for International Settlements to, to regulate all trade, commerce through finances. Uh, the IMF, uh, they set up um, the private central banking system, is all theirs, by the way, including the Federal Reserve in the U.S. And eventually they would bring in Block trading blocks as well, uniting whole blocks of countries like the the complete Americas, uh, and uh, the, all of Europe, of course, and then eventually a far eastern Pacific rim. That was over a hundred years ago. They wrote about this. Uh, we're, we're watching it all come to pass. But the, but the League of Nations, as far back as the League of Nations before it became the United Nations, they had a Department of Public uh, of uh, Population Control, and they also had the early precursor of the World Health Organization. And way back then, 1918, 1919, they said that they'll have to bring in universal health care. And this universal health care would be mainly, again, the public would, see, you must jump for it, thinking this is fantastic, you see. Uh, But the public will jump for it. But the the real uh, job was to bring in mandatory inoculations, uh, upgraded every day, uh, every, every year, every couple of years, 
with booster shots of all inoculations, which, by the way, they're pushing for now, all through adulthood, and, 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 and compulsory sterilization. So uh, this will fulfill all of that. Uh, when Britain, in, in the last 15 years in Britain, as the National Health Service, for instance, plummeted, uh, documentaries were put out by even the BBC, uh, talking about how they conned the public in so many ways to save money by cancelling, well actually, they were giving uh, questionnaires out to, to lots of, their cust- of the people who were waiting for operations for cancers and things. And in the questionnaires, they asked them when they were going on vacation or holiday. When they did that, they then sent out, come in now, we're going to do your operation, knowing they were not going to be there. That's one way they legally go around uh, dismissing these people from the lists. But what they did during that whole time was to bring in uh, uh, vasectomies and, and, uh, and um, abortions. That was the top of the list, and hysterectomies. Uh, tubal ligations, etc. These were mandatory priority operations. Everything else took the back burner or, or weren't done at all. So, so remember, healthcare has many functions, uh, and, and the public always see it as we're getting something for free or for, or for, for something that's going to be cheap, but it's not that way at all. What do you, what do you make of this di- disaster rollout of Obamacare? Do you think that this was a planned event to to get people's minds off of what was really going on? It's partially that, but it's just time to bring it in. As I say, they were working on it when, when Bill Clinton was in, in office, and his wife kept talking about bringing in this new health care system. Uh, many of the, uh, the party that she belongs to were working on it, and they had the insurance companies then doing all the preliminary, preliminary examinations to, to, to what kind of system would they bring in. They employed the RAND Corporation, and I have a copy of the RAND Corporation report. They were employed to do a survey to find out the best system to use. And in the RAND report, it said, uh, and you can get that if you search for it for PDF form, uh, they said that they copied the British system. Well, God help you. Mm -hmm. So the goal really is a single payer. They want the money. They want the money, but they want the political and social control. If you want this from us, you better take these shots. You better uh, take these shots. You better do this. And you better. And, and if you've got maybe three children, if you want this down the road, this is, this is definitely going to come. Uh, you you should get sterilized now. I'm or, sorry. Or you, or be, oh yeah, this will this will come down there. This is going to come in. Uh, eventually, it will be sterilization. They've always for over a hundred years have talked about the gradualism of a healthcare system, where eventually can use it for social political control. And, and eventually, uh, on, on the, the various classes of people, they can bring in mandatory uh, sterilization. If you want this in society and that in society, we advise you to get the sterilization because you belong to the wrong socioeconomic group, etc., etc., et Or you have this gene. Or you have that gene. That's a big one right now. And that's what one of the big pushes for eugenics uh, with all the nonsense uh, that they've been churning out for years at the condition of the public that it's an actual, a, a very a verifiable uh, science, but it's not. Um, but they're going to use this, yeah, oh yeah, you, you, your child could have this and that and that, so we advise uh, sterilization. Uh, they've already done this, to, actually they're doing it to women right now. Your child might end up this and that and the other, and lots of them are opting for abortions because they, they've been trained to believe in experts, you see. Hmm. We're talking with Alan Watt, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. 
It is the 21st of January. If you have a question, comment, 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Here's an email from Colette. She says, please keep up the good work, Alan Watt. Thank you for what you're doing. Any suggestions on how to turn this new world order thing around? And how does Fukushima tie into all of this? This is also overwhelming. I'm trying to keep it together here. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not so easy to turn something around when the bulk of the population are caught in the false paradigm, which is called normalcy. We've been trained into this thing called normalcy. And uh, Lord Bertrand Russell talked about how they create a, a reality for the public. He said, if, if we want to get children to believe that snow is actually black, uh, we can do it universally and eventually they will believe it. Then this next generation will come, all believe it. They'll never question it. And that's basically how uh, our reality works. It's very simple, really. Um, and we, as individuals, because we're, we're the most studied species on the planet, they're not the insects or the animals, we are. We, we've been for thousands of years. And... Um, how we, how, how we find out how sane we are, how acceptable we are amongst our peer groups, we'll bounce off ideas uh, to, to our friends, and they'll, they'll bounce them back off. And, and we know if, if we're the oddball or we're not, if we're acceptable, we all want to be acceptable as a human trait to, to our peer groups. And so conformity is a big, big thing. In fact, it's being stressed stress more than ever today is to conform, conform, conform. Uh, and most folk want to conform. That's why they have the, this particular type of group think education in school now. You're being trained as a group. For um, the whole of Common Core and all that stuff. All of that, yes. Uh, and they've got the same system, by the way, in Britain. It's actually a little bit ahead of America. Uh, the U.S. will follow shortly. They have GIRFAC in Scotland, for instance. They have a system in England. It's exactly the same, where the state now appoints a guardian uh, uh, employee from the state to to, to be the guardian of that child. Even if you've got two parents, and, and, and it doesn't matter what, what, what class of society you live in, and they come in and take a lifelong assessment of that child as it grows up. Wow. To make sure that it's, it's completely politically correct if, if the child will show any inquiries along lines that's, that's not politically correct, uh, they'll, they'll readjust it. They'll readjust that child to make sure it, it uh, conforms to the rest. For world peace, you understand. <laughs> yeah. Colette, want to know your take on Fukushima, the big picture. Uh, Fukushima, something stinks about it, uh, even, even the news coverage and so on. Um, so we're just not really getting... We don't really know what's going on, is what you're saying? We really don't. Uh, if there was a, a, a world disaster going on, the big boys themselves would would, would, be, would have all her money and top scientists and, and, and engineers over there fixing it if it was going to damage the world. Either it's completely overblown for a purpose. But got to remember, too, they want to eventually take out most of the reactors across the world for, for austerity, bring it down to austerity. Uh, that, that's part of it too. Take off the reactors to get away from nuclear? Yes, Maurice Strong is a big player in this. Uh, um, he's, he was Rockefeller's protege. He works at the United Nations. He's a big, big, big player. And in the 90s, uh, he was brought over from the United Nations by the Canadian uh, or the Ontario uh, Prime Minister, let's say the Governor of, of Ontario, you might say. 
and, and put in charge of the electric companies, the hydro companies, to privatize them. And he wrote uh, large articles in the paper saying, this is the future we're going into. He says, eventually, uh, we'll start to phase out these uh, nuclear reactors and bring people down into this uh, austerity of energy. Austerity of energy, which would be what? Back to coal-fired, more of those? Uh, I, I don't think they even want that. You understand, part of the... I mean, Maurice Strong's pretty blatant about it. Way too many people, he says. What they really mean is too many of the wrong kind of people. Uh, but this is not just for Ontario or Canada. This is for the world, eventually. And he's at the United Nations. He went right back to it after he privatized the system. But he says, all we'll have is energy and, and massive... Uh, uh, state-funded, in other words, we'll pay f- uh, for the installation and the creation of massive generators which will power essential buildings like hospitals, big business, corporate businesses, and so on. And the rest of the public will be given uh, some meager rationing of, of energy, whatever kind that will be. So that was that was back in the, in the 80s and, and, and early 90s. So we're, we're, we're going through a plan, you understand. We live through a script. And uh, uh, I, I noticed that even when I was very small, you know, that we were living through a script. Uh, you cannot have these private organizations, private individuals, with world meetings going on all the time, uh, making their agendas, never being discussed in, in the political realms, and yet, and yet it's introduced by the political realms under different guises, and it all comes to pass. That's impossible otherwise. So you, you get to realize there's, there's a group above politics that runs the whole show. Here's an email from Eli. He says, I live in Israel, and I'm very confused. I have some non-politically correct questions. Mm-hmm. Why is Israel put on the side of the imperialist? My understanding is that the powers that be are actually trying to reduce, eliminate Israel, see the real story behind the assassination of Prime Minister Ishtak Rabin, by inventing this non-historical people called the Palestinians, looking forward to your comments. Mm-hmm. Well, there's different uh, aspects to all of this. Every group in the world will be used. And one of the best ways to be used, and the easiest ways to be used, is to really believe that you're a people. And we've found that done through history as they set peoples against people, you see. Uh, you'll find as empires rise and fall, you always have the same people moving in to the empires to create the empires. These are the guys with the cash. It's a strange, this, until the money situation is solved, nothing will ever change. Power could never get to the people uh, if they don't have command of of the money-making system. And they don't, and they never have, and it's not intended that they ever shall. Now, Israel, if you go into the history of Israel, and, and I'm not talking about the, the, the present-day history. The present-day history of, of Israel has been rewritten. And many uh, authors in, in Israel, and, and uh, like, like Shlomo Sands, uh, have written about lots to do with Jewish history and, and the fallacies of it, too. He's not the only one. There's lots of professors in Tel Aviv who have written books about it as well. When, when the Zionists came in, the Zionists was a political movement but it was also tied in with a world socialist and communist movement, completely tied in with it. Uh, it was also a messianic movement because they used the, the old idea of, of Jews were to be a light to the world, etc., and show the people how to live. 
And it, of course, they used it for warfare purposes in some countries instead. But but the fact is, it caught the imagination of lots of people. And so it, they were set up in, in Israel, modern-day Israel. If you go into the writings of, say, um, uh, there was Lieutenant Governor Storrs, S-T-O-R-R-S. He was a Lieutenant Governor for Israel, or Palestine as they called it then, on behalf of Britain at the end of World War I uh, through the 20s and 30s. And he was in charge of setting up immigration. There was mass immigration long before World War II into Israel. In fact, from the 1800s, Rothschild in London was sponsoring early groups to come in from Russia mainly. But y- y- you find that in his memoirs, Mr. Estors, he says, we have set up in the Middle East. Now, who is, talking, who is he talking on behalf of we have set up? As a lieutenant governor for their, on behalf of, of, of England and the king. What did he mean we have set up in Palestine an Ulster? Now, Ulster is what they did in Ireland to create dissension down through the centuries because Ulster would always be faithful to the British or the monarchical rule in a country where the native people, the Irish people, were going to be dominated by incomers uh, who would be called lords, etc., etc., uh, who would use heavy force to keep the people in check, and in other words, dominate the people, subjugate them. Same thing as Israel. Why would he say we're, we have created an Ulster? You see? So... They're very good at doing this, using different peoples to come in, create a base, give them a reality, uh, and, and, and they have no idea there's a bigger purpose behind all of this. They have no idea at all. And the purpose is? The purpose is these guys work centuries in advance for their plans. And they knew, and Winston Churchill knew it, because he talked about it in the early, early 1900s, uh, about all of the, 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 the whole region of the, the Arab countries, the Arabian countries, and even into Egypt too. But uh, he said that eventually there'll be massive wars to take over these countries for the oil which is here. Because he said the 20th century will be a century where oil will be in incredible demand. He even talked about northern, or uh, uh, later on he talked about northern Iraq. Uh, would be a focal point for war as well because of the vast oil fields, which they knew then were under the ground. Uh, everything is known way ahead of time, way ahead of time. And so the, the, the big boys who really own international corporations um, had to put something in the Middle East long before they were going to go in and, and, and bomb those. They, they needed bases. They needed an ally there, someone who would be on their side. And who would profit from it too, uh, to take over those countries. They also fed to a lot of the Israelis, uh, uh, again, the messianic policies of, of, of re-establishing an Israel from the, uh, all, all the way to the Euphrates, in other words, a greater Israel. In fact, the, the first prime minister they had in Israel talked about this. So they didn't, didn't want a little place called Palestine. They wanted a vast place from Egypt to the Euphrates. Uh, and that's where it's going today. So technically, people from Israel, some of them will uh, be eventually put in charge of a lot of these ex-countries. Uh, this is part of the plan that's ongoing today. And this control that Israel has over the United States that's talked about, mm-hmm. what is that about? Well, there's no doubt at all about that. If you look at some of the Israeli newspapers over the years, 
various prime ministers. I remember when Bill Clinton was in, and the prime minister there, another one says, don't worry about the U.S., we own it. You know, It's rather blatant. There's no guessing about uh, how, how they put it across in their own newspapers. It's straightforward. So that's still um, a policy today. You know? Is there any real kind of split going on between the United States uh, with Obama and 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 uh, what's his name Netanyahu? No, that's all. You understand that the guys like Obama or any prime minister, I, I try not to even learn their names today because I realized long ago it was irrelevant. Really low on the totem pole. Yeah, in fact, um, again, Professor Carl Quigley, who was all for this world system of socialism, a type of Fabian socialism and elitism, because the ones at the top believed they, there was definitely, they were the top of the Darwinian tree, you might say. And he believed that intelligentsia should rule, etc. And But he, he said that uh, in the United States, he says there hasn't been, and this was the 1960s when he wrote his Tragedy and Hope, and his even better book, I think, was called The Anglo-American Establishment, where he goes into this in more detail. But, but he said there hasn't been a president in the United States uh, for 60 years, uh, over 60 years, uh, that hasn't been appointed beforehand by our organization. He also said a prime minister I, as well from the, for the other countries. So it's much like they do in the Middle East where they'll go in and maybe take over the Bank of Iraq and you know when they invade them and then they appoint their person. To, to run the bank or run the country. Uh, that's correct, yeah. Same way. That's the same, same way. Same model they do in, they're trying to do in Syria. E exactly. Syria. exactly. And, and, and you'll find too, though, um, that the front men are, are meant to take the rotten tomatoes. That's where they put them in. What do you mean? Oh, you mean take it to take the hits from the people? That's it. But you see, under democracy, we don't we don't vote new people in. We we vote the old guys out. We're so sick of them. That's how it works. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And so they're going from left. Well, let's go right wing this time. Or let's go left wing. And and the agenda. And Thomas Jefferson talked about this in his own writings. He says, when you see the same agenda going forth and continuing between changes in the House, meaning the Congress. Know your underturned, he said. Wow. Thomas now, Jefferson wrote that. Yeah. Wow. And when you go into the League of Nations, then the United Nations, and all of the, all of the treaties that have been signed constantly, the IMF, the BIS, all run, all run by one organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Yeah. And set up by them. And then then you, it makes sense because no, no president or prime minister is going to cancel a treaty signed by the previous one on, on finance, finances, or, or, or foreign aid, which goes to their, their own corporations, as you well know, in other countries, uh, or any of these agendas. Uh, when a right-wing group comes in, they, they don't slash uh, and cut back on, on, on the, the massive debt. They, they do a lot of bluster and fluster about it. It's a show for the public. But, but in other words, uh, Quigley said, it doesn't matter, he says, uh, we only need the, the ones at the top. We don't have to get all of the politicians in. But only the ones in the top. He says left wing, right wing. He says we have communists, we have fascists, we have we have all kinds. He says, he says, and and they all do our bidding. So that's how it really is. So the front man uh, is just that. He's, he's a, the guys behind him are far more important than advisors. 
So, so they all, it's almost like Alan Watt, they let him do what he wants, even though he does dumb things, because then the people don't like him, and then they're just going to get all excited about getting the, the next party in the next time. Yes. Oh, I, I, it's fantastic. See, we'll, we, we live in hope. <laughs> yeah. And we think, oh, well, we can four or five years, we can get another guy. And this is how it goes on. And your whole life long, you'll watch these changes, but nothing changes. It gets worse and worse and worse. Uh-huh. Mm. Do, you, do you think the amount of people that maybe believe what you just said and the amount of people that believe what the masses believe, which side do you think is growing? Uh, with the with the ones who believe, you know what I'm saying. Is say say if you're correct with your analysis, mm-hmm. that side there's a group of people that are say, yeah, I, I think I know he knows what he's talking about. That group is that growing mm-hmm. more than what's growing? What's growing? There's a difference between understanding and being educated. Remember, education doesn't mean you're correct. Right. You, you can be educated in, say, the communist philosophy. <laughs> right. Uh, or, or whatever. Or, or whatever, yeah. Uh, and, and so for those who, th- who believe they understand everything, they, they, they will not understand everything uh, because this is a very clever, clever system that was thought up an awful long time ago. Uh, and as I say, we're the most studied species on the planet. There's a big difference between reacting. See, most people react to what's happening in their own lives with finances, bank crashes, uh, unemployment. Something's been driven home to them because it affects them personally. Other folk who are doing a little little bit better financially and so on, they feel more secure, are also feeling a little bit nervous because maybe they're not so quite secure. Uh, So they'll always look into the financial side of the world and and that's what they follow, etc. Everyone follows the thing that they think is going to affect them the most. Uh, They don't understand the big picture. Now, you understand too, uh, and I've, I've gone over the, the history of some of this, Rockefeller, for instance, and a, a few of the top guys at the time, back in the 1930s, or actually late 20s, they got a group of guys together to find out, again, like the Rand Corporation idea, uh, to study, a think tank, to study how, how many newspapers would have to control to standardize public opinion on everything. And they came up with the ideal number for the United States. They also did their demographics for the different classes. They put out the Harper's Magazine, all the different types for these ones will be read by, by bureaucrats, it'll work for us, etc., etc. So everyone's catered to with a, a form of a reality of the system. But they never gave up on that and said, well, that's it. They, they expanded and expanded and expanded uh, to, to have massive chains of, of TV, radio, and newspapers, and it's all connected together by the same peoples. You standardize opinion and also standardize education system to fit the reality they're going to give you. Uh, it's, it's really so, so, so precise as that, actually. So most folk, again, are, are in a false paradigm, but they don't know it because everyone else, when they bounce off their ideas, will bounce it back and say, yeah, I believe the same as you. So I must be sane. If, if all agree on the same things, we must be sane, you know. Um, that's how simple it is to control vast... Plus, you'll, you'll notice we're never... There's not a generation has been given peace for hundreds of years. Uh, you're either being sent to war or, 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 or you're having bank crashes. Bank crashes are standard for about twice a century. It's planned that way. If you went to the history, uh, at least twice a century you get plundered by the banks who never get punished for it. 
uh, we pay them to plunder us. We bail them out. Uh, and, uh, and, and they, they, right after, after that, they're giving themselves their big bonuses again and so on without a problem. No laws are written into it that change any things. So they, and it's not meant to because they want to do it again, you see, when it's the time's right. Because impoverishing the public and increasing taxation, you pay off the debt, which they will lend you to pay them back with. For them. I mean, it's just an incredible system. Uh, it keeps them... You see, that, that's the power. That's the amazing power of money, this strange, abstract thing called money that's put in the hands of a private few, you know. We're talking with Alan Watt. Fascinating. It's been years since we've talked with Alan and... Cutting Through the Matrix is his website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. My name is Patrick Timpone, and this is OneRadioNetwork.com. It's the 21st of January, 2014. We are listener-supported. One Radio Network. Talk to Patrick now. 888-663-6386. Or email... Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Talking with a nice man. He does lots of research, reads lots of stuff, writes lots of stuff. Must stay up all the time. His name is Alan Watt. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Podcasts, videos, CDs, DVDs, all kinds of stuff. So, Alan Watt, what do you make of this? Uh, got a lot of questions before we let you go here about currency. I know you study it, and it's what makes the world go round, and the reason these people do have the power, I guess, is because they have the power to create the money. Why are they allowing Bitcoin to be a Bitcoin, do you think? I'm not sure yet. I think part of the idea probably is simply, again, to push the whole idea, which is awfully essential to their system, of going into completely uh, a cashless system, really, in a sense. Uh, that's definitely part of it, because many of them have written about that from the top, uh, in fact, back in the 1950s, Bertrand Russell talked about a system they would eventually bring in. He said, where the government, through, through financial crashes and manipulation and so on, the government will eventually bring in a system to make it safer, meaning the government will dish out uh, rations, basically, to everyone in the, uh, that they, they, they rule. Now, he was talking about a kind of world system. Mm-hmm. So every Monday you'd wake up and you'd have X amount of credits in your bank account. But you see, the whole idea of money is about control. And, and he said, uh, for those who, who were bucking the system or, or complaining about it even, he said, we can withhold those, those credits so you can't pay your, your rent or buy your food or whatever. And the system, by the way, is to have no private property down the road, you see. Same model they're using for Iran. And, and Agenda 21. Yeah, yeah. Agenda 21. And so this has always been the same system. But, uh, but yeah, we forget the money. Uh, we've been trained it's essential because they've made it. So we've get, we're given no other system. But it can be used for incredible control. In fact, it already is. Uh, when you read the, uh, the found, some of the founders of Planned Parenthood, um, from Charles Galton Darwin all the way to Julian Huxley and UNESCO, he, he says... Jonah Huxley said, uh, he said, there's many ways to, to stop people having children. Simply make it economically unfeasible. <laughs> Just don't let them have any money. That's economically unfeasible. I mean, it, it may be feasible right now, but in, in 10 years' time, it could be so difficult and expensive and so many fees, etc., uh, to have children and to put them through school. You, you, it'd be unaffordable. So uh, there's many ways. And so it, money is also a, a, a controlling fa- a massive controlling factor. Yeah. Alan, do you think that the, the, the elite... Uh, 
powers that be, we call them the boys here, they have a good control on the dollar? Do they risk, oh, lo- do they risk losing it as a reserve currency? No, they don't lose anything at all. No, they, they never And understand... Because um, it's all owned by the same people, right? Uh, yeah, it's all owned by the same people. I mean, you've got 200-odd families that, that uh, every day on the stock market slush around uh, maybe 200 million, some of them in the billions each per day. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been reading a little bit about a, an idea of the a global currency reset. Have you heard about that, and is that a real thing? Well, they've talked about this for purpose. So, again, whenever they talk about things and filter it through the mainstream to the public, that's to get us, we learn by osmosis. We don't think critically about things. It just kind of penetrates gradually into our brains uh, until we accept it, and it becomes a reality. So this is what it is. It's a trial balloon, but it's, they've been talking about this for an awful long time. For a global society, they eventually, of course, naturally want a one-world currency. And, again, that's where electronic currency comes in big time. So you get you used to that whole idea. Uh, but don't forget, you've, you've seen all the things with the NSA, the massive snooping and all the rest. There's nothing private that you can possibly do in your life. They know everything about you. So, so I mean, uh, when it comes down to the control factor of electronic currencies and so on, and this big um, global society with an electronic money system, uh, look at the power they'll have over every individual on the planet of cutting you off, for instance. And then I guess if it is all digital, and it is, it's all fiat, they could raise a little bit here, raise a little bit there, oh, yeah. just to keep people happy for a while. Oh, absolutely. Keep them going, right? I mean, so yeah, Absolutely. I used to wonder why through the, the, the 50s and the 60s and even into the 70s, uh, America was thriving. Because uh, the reason being, it wasn't just all the massive factories that they had. They had lots and lots of factories, absolutely. But the standard of living was so high, it's because the masters had big plans for the, for the U.S. people, for wars. and You've got to keep them happy when you're going to use them for troops, etc. If, if they're very ha- unhappy at home, they don't want to go off and fight anybody else. But you make them awfully happy, and, and you, you get them uh, uh, patriotism and so on, which is an old science of indoctrinate patriotism into people. Uh, so... And they'll go off and fight for you and do what you're bidding for you. So there's all these wars planned for the United States uh, from the end of World War II. Um, I can remember, too, in Vietnam, one of the top CIA directors at the time was asked about the role in, 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 in Vietnam. And I guess they'll have some peace once it's finished. He says, no, he says, we've got a whole bunch of countries lined up after this for future wars. So uh, the, the U.S. is, understand they had to create the U.S. to do this because countries like Britain were so, the people were so jaded. They, they, you talk about royalty or you talk about politics and they laugh in your face. They've had hundreds of years of being abused so that you just can't get that spirit of patriotism up at all. <laughs> it just won't work. Mohammed from Virginia, from Vienna, Virginia writes, are there any news mediums that we can listen to or watch that provide facts and have no or less influence from these elite people. It's very difficult because I mentioned before that that for all that the regular mainstream that you that you get, uh, the Rockefellers initially set up the system for the U.S., but they did it for the Britain too, uh, through their cartels and their moguls, the big moguls that all work together worldwide, just like the big bankers world work worldwide with themselves. It's a, it's a club, and they work together. By the way, the two. Uh, but uh, don't, don't ever forget this. Uh, it's awfully important that when you think you're getting the truth from somewhere, or even the alternative media, question it. Question it. 
um, the big boys didn't, they don't overlook anything. If, if information is so important, why would they overlook and forget some? Oh, let, let's just ignore this little thing starting over there. You see? I was going, there's an old article in Toronto Star years, years ago talking about, it was the, they, they were hammering, because Toronto Star was very left wing, but they were hammering the, the Patriot radio system in the US from, say, the 1950s onwards. At that time, it was all shortwave radio, and, and they used mainly the CIA set, set them up, and they set up Christian groups and funded them to, to, to counter communistic propaganda. That was the initial purpose of it. But again, they started off then, way back then, with gold, silver, and this kind of thing, way back in the 50s. And, and I've often said, why would they let it go? Yes. Why would they let it go? They wouldn't let it go. Now, here's another thing, too. As I say, we're minutely studied. There's probably a thousand studies going on in this one area right today and every day. Always this one area. How much stress can that person handle? Because you're under stress, you can't think straight. You're easily guided and led and you panic. And when you panic, here's the direction you take and you take it. You see? All techniques. And um, the average person can handle one major crisis at a time. Some folk can manage two at the same time. But most folk completely crack up if you've got three or more crises on the go at one time. Be very careful when you're getting hammered. I call it the shotgun approach. There's all these pellets flying at you from the shotgun. Which one do you try and dodge? You can't, you know, it's, a, it's impossible. So you, you, you'll quiver, you'll go under the kitchen table, cover your ears and just shake, you see. And that's a tech. Be very careful of this stuff because information can be weaponized. The big boys have been weaponizing information all down through history. <laughs> and, and, and you can get it from many, many sources. Think for yourselves. And remember, and this is what I always tried to do with my shows too, I, I don't come on to say, here's your thoughts for today. You see? Think about this. When someone's coming on and saying, here's what you should worry about today. Or, and here's 50 or 100 things I'll give you in an hour or two uh, that are going to terrify you. Am I doing you a favor or am, am, I, am, I, am I destroying you? Uh, that's the technique. Be very, very careful because there's a lot of hands at play here. You know. Yeah. Emailer says, interesting guest. Why do they allow Alan Watt since he's exposing their agenda, why does he allow? Why do they allow him to say what he says? I don't think they're worried. I, I, it doesn't they're, matter, right? They're so absolutely cocksure. Uh, they were even 60, 70 years ago that nothing would stop them. Uh, the, most of it won't believe what you're telling them. It isn't just understand. You could you could listen to someone give you fact after fact, which they could check for themselves. But the next day, one major mainstream article could terrify the life out of them, and they forget, they'll forget it so quickly, just like that. Boom, gone. They, 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 understood every, they understand all these techniques. When the Rand Corporation set up the whole idea of game theory in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, every citizen of the U.S., and, and many other countries too, had personality profiles taken on them. They were put through computers, and they ran these computers for, for years on the basis that we only do what's in our own self-interest, you see? 
and countries would behave to each other under their own self-interest. And that's all boiled down to according to them. There's no real humanity, it was just basic animalistic self-interest. So they run us through all these computers right up to the present time. We still do it, by the way. Uh, and it's almost a chessboard game on the general public. They're not worried about the occasional individual coming up here or there. Uh, they'll never get the financing to, to, to get up there, you know. That won't happen. George won't writes happen. in, George writes, how is it that the powers of be can't control presidents and prime ministers and politicians? How can they do it? How can they do it? How do they do it? It's quite, it's quite easy, actually. These guys, the top guys that they pick, as Quigley said, it's not important, he said, that we get every politician in. We only need the ones at the top. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said the, the ones below them are, are allowed a certain amount of competition between the parties to vie for prominence. Uh, senators and things like that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but the guys at the top all belong. They're all members. They're brought into this organization in the U.S. as a CFR. They're groomed. They're absolutely. Long, but long before the public will hear their names. Yeah that they're already selected, and they're tested, by the way. They're tested over many years for fidelity to their organization. Uh, will, will, they, will they get drunk? Do they have any weaknesses like getting drunk and, and blabbing off? All these things are tested. Their phone calls are listened to. They're monitored, uh, uh, etc. And then they're, they're, they're brought in and, and groomed for their position. Yeah. Do you think they get dirt and material on these people just in case as well? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So they're made men, so to speak. Uh, absolutely. It's always been that way. Uh, they've got to be absolutely certain of the person, no matter how, how much study they've done on them, how observed they, they are. They've got to be sure that they've got something on them they can hit them with. They always have them and buy finances anyway, at least that. Never mind all the sexual things, but finances for sure. sure. Sam writes from Nebraska, can you say that most agendas are the same if Romney was elected, would there be Romney care? Or would it be the same if uh, the main difference between the powers and Republicans and Democrats spending gifts to the wealthy? Is it all the same, he said? It's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same. The wealthy have never suffered. I mean, I'm talking about the real wealthy, not, not the middle-class American. I'm talking about real wealthy people. They, they don't suffer at all uh, through anything, depressions, wars, or in fact, they benefit through them. So what would matter? I, I, I can remember when there was a, a prime minister in Canada, uh, Bob Ray, his name was. Actually, he was for Ontario again. We call him, we call him uh, premiers for, for the provinces or states. But he got in and he went to town. He was an NDP, National Democratic Party, which is a communist party. You know. In fact, they left of Karl Marx. Uh, and he went to town with the full agenda very quickly. There was very little debt for Ontario when he came in, the massive debt when he left, of course, massive. Just like Trudeau. Trudeau was a communist, the prime minister. Anyway, Bob Ray uh, worked out different deals to do with welfare systems and and uh, and all this kind of stuff. Mass immigration coming in on welfare, etc. Uh, and he put this all through the books. And, and he said, we worked on it so hard, he said, that the next party that comes in We need hundreds and hundreds of lawyers working on this full-time to try and understand it before they could even unravel it. So according to this system we're in, it's not a matter of getting into power and throwing this bunch of laws out the the window. Supposedly, they have to go through all these processes with lawyers to, to, to change it all, which would take forever. So it can't be done. This is the premise that you're under today. Colleen writes in, you were talking about uh, socialism, communism, giving money to every citizen. Isn't this going on 
in Switzerland where they're giving a base pay of something like $2,000 a month to people? Uh, to an extent it is, but you know, even Switzerland is, is a bit of a dark horse because they've been getting that in uh, for a while now because they, they're bringing in immigration as well. And uh, there was a little bit of friction a while back there. A lot of Muslims are, are going through there now too. And the people don't like it. But a lot of them come in with no money. And wherever they come in, they're not bringing in wealthy people so much. They're bringing in uh, poor people. That, that's where they love wars too. They always have all these refugees, which they then bring into the countries that are, are, that are making war on them, uh, like Britain uh, in the U.S. So it fills many purposes and creates a big welfare system. When you have a big welfare system and new immigrants, they'll always vote for the party that, that was in power that brought them in. Uh, that standard. Har- Harold Wilson did that in Britain, and he was definitely a communist too. So much so that the MI5 got him out. They told him they'd expose it all to the public and got him out. But uh, that was their idea, uh, and it's still going on in Sweden today, for instance. Sweden, Norway, all the countries. In fact, the whole of the European Union. To, to be in the European Union, you must open the doors to mass world immigration, regardless of your financial circumstances in that country. You just, that's just part of the deal. It's to, it's to end, end it's to finish. In fact, von Rompuy, the, the head of the, the EU, this, this unelected dictator, he, he said last year, he says, it's the end of the nation state. This is completely obsolete. What do you think their end game in the EU is? It looks like the only thing they're doing is, what we're doing here is quantitative easing, right? Just kicking the can down the road. Yeah. They, they've they got to have an end game, don't they? Some kind oh, of the plan? end game is to, to bring the whole world eventually into this planned uh, controlled collapse. Controlled collapse. Yeah, and, and then incomes, because again, Quigley said back in the, the 60s that the IMF, International Monetary Fund, and the Bank for International Settlements would come up to their full stature and their reason for being at the right time. And that's what's happening now as they step in. We've seen them, the IMF step in and the, the BIS step in to private organizations, remember, uh, with all this world authority to regulate currencies, global currencies, and, and the recuperation of debt. Hmm. Yeah. Here's an email from author. Um, my daughter came down for the holidays and told me her college psych book said that if someone had suspicion of government or questioned it, it was a type of diagnosable schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Are you serious, he says? We talked about it, and she said the most dangerous words that Alan has used today is why. Why is a logical argument, but most people have been so numb they can't even comprehend the truth, and they just go along with it because someone has said it's the argument that those in power yeah. would like to know Alan's take on the word understand. I've all but eliminated this word from my vocabulary. Even when dealing with the problems I have to solve in my duties, I try to call recall to use comprehend the words mm-hmm. people in power use tell a lot if you just listen to what they're really saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, they use this technique. You see, everything that's been used today was tried out in the, even in the early days of the Soviet Union uh, under political correctness of, of that time. In fact, many of the laws being passed recently were passed in the Soviet Union initially. Things you could not talk about under penalty of either death or utter punishment, complete punishment, nasty stuff. But um, you'll find that we're following the same thing. So they understand how we are. So even the threat of, of, of uh, wrong think, put wrong think, if you like, or self-think or self-thought, as Orwell would say, 
um, you're being taught right now to self-censor yourself. They call it self-policing. Uh, and the mind game boys, you know, uh, neuroscientists call it self-policing. Train the, the people to self-police their own thoughts. Uh, Sunstein, Carl Sunstein up there, the, the, one of the, the czars that, that uh, Obama had up there. Uh, and I love the term they're all using, the czars. That's not coincidence either. He's written a couple of books about, not, not in-depth types of neuroscience, because they, they don't want to tell the average person what they really know all about you. And how you tick But he said we're putting in default positions Into the general public Through training It's very simple Through, through It's Pavlovian in a sense uh, And uh, so that they'll police themselves Their own thoughts And we'll nudge them along To the right conclusions The correct conclusions The socially acceptable conclusions Otherwise the authorised conclusions and, and, and it's very easy to do uh, And when certain topics Or names or buzzwords come, Kick in they will immediately uh, feel uncomfortable and, and, and automatically go back to their default position that, that, that is politically correct. Here's an email. It says, please ask Alan Watt what he thinks we should save our money to invest in. What are his thoughts on gold and silver? I feel like running away but not sure where to go. Any ships going to the moon? Maybe they yeah, will leave us I, alone there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah one too, even further, I think. But uh, I, I've never... Uh, when you go into the history of the boys who controlled money to start with, they've been at it for thousands of years. There's thousands of years. Thousands of years. You find the same family lineages lending to Roman, Roman empires, emperors, uh, Greek, even the Greeks, in fact, uh, and uh, all done through history. In fact, those big boys moved as they collapsed empires. They'd already started to create new ones to move into. All done through history. They jumped into Holland, then they jumped to Britain, then they jumped to the U.S. and different countries. And they've been at this forever. I mean, a completely different reality they're, they're brought up in, a different history, a real history, I'd say, uh, to do with it. Uh, and 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 they always make sure because the, any present time they live in in the in the past, say the present today is is, is going to be the past shortly. They ensure that the the future will always be theirs, always be theirs. So no system. If they saw any other system going to arise that wasn't under the control, they would they would nip it in the bud before the thought got out of someone's head. You know. Uh, and that's how they control uh, the future. That's what I always said, who controls the past, controls the present, controls the future, etc. That's what he meant by that. Uh, and that's what they do. I mean, it's a complete science that, that was not taught to the general public. So gold and silver and everything else, diamonds, you think about it, these are the boys who told you what is valuable. The same boys. I mean, they could have said tin, yeah, they could have made something. Else. They could have said Pam, Pam. Coconuts or something. Coconuts, yeah. Uh, 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 but no, you see, they, they said it because long, long ago their ancestors were running uh, gold. Before gold, of course, it was silver. Uh, and um, uh, that's what a lot of the ancient wars against Greece were about. They, they tried to, to use, uh, under the guise of Phoenicians at that time, they were trying to standardize a silver coin across the ancient empire. And they had, uh, they had the countries they'd conquered through debts as the part of the, of the pay, repayments to go to war with, with uh, all the different... And eventually Sparta was the one holdout from it, you see. Uh, 
Hundred Years' War. They're always trying to do this world reserve currency, right? <laughs> and Rothschild, when Rothschild took over the Bank of England, he also set up the London uh, Metals Exchange. Mm-hmm. But he also set up the London Gold Markets. So he's one guy in charge of uh, uh, the banking system for the whole country, the borrowing and lending in the whole country, which meant also the taxation for the whole country to pay off the debt for the borrowed money. Uh, and, and he has also had to con- total control of, of, the go- of the gold market, silver market, and all the metal exchanges. All world, tin, copper, everything. That's an awful lot of power. Well, they don't let that kind of power go away. I mean, why would you give it up and say, well, I've had enough of that. I'm going to try knitting. You know, <laughs> it doesn't help. And, and, and as you know, Alan Watt, they control it today. Absolutely, to, yeah. Today, I mean, they actually call it the London Gold Fix. They fix the price every morning. Absolutely. <laughs> They're not shy uh, yeah. about it. Not, no, not at all. Uh, and this has always been an open secret. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and Rothschild himself, there, the, the Nathan Rothschild said a long time, he said, he said those who catch on to, to the, basically the scams of how the whole system is run uh, won't complain about it because they'll be the chartered accountants and those who work who catch on and figure it out and see the scams, but they'll benefit so much from it that they're not going to give away the game. Here's a final question for Alan Watt, then we'll let him go. Was the U.S. Constitution really set up for the freedom of the people, writes Charles? No. Uh, in fact, a group of guys who were all pretty well, all, almost all Masons, Freemasons, and you've got to look at the agenda of Freemasonry, remember, and most folk don't even know who set it up. Anyway, Freemasons, so they locked themselves up in a, a big hall and had a, a private meeting. They had guards on the door and the public couldn't get in. And when they came out, uh, uh, Franklin said in his own memoirs, he said, I was asked by a, 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 one of the people, he says, what kind of government have you given us? Well, the people hadn't asked for, hadn't had any, any input at all. And Franklin said, a, a republic, if, and then he chuckled, he said, if you can keep it, knowing darn well it was meant to evolve. Uh, and Franklin and other ones talked about, they hoped that this, this uh, federation of states would end up being a federation of the world. So these were world and worlders too? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, so you have many, many clues there of what was going on. But yeah, he wasn't the only uh, founding member who said about a federation of the world. And Masonry, they talked about the Brotherhood of Man. It was a con, actually, for, for people to join it, thinking this is a great idea, it's wonderful, but, but idealistic, but to be used for a different purpose for those who wanted to control the whole planet. You've got to have an army of believers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the ink wasn't even dry yet, Alan Watt and Hamilton and Washington said, let's get this private bank going. This will be good. That's correct. Uh, uh, and yet, Je- Jefferson and other boys knew. What, they knew, what, boy. They knew the history of private banks. They, they, they knew the, the, who ran Britain and its wars and its empire. Yeah. 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 Well, Alan, it's always fun talking to you. God love you. Uh, yeah. Please keep up the work. And uh, what, are you, uh, what particular work are you working on right now, cutting through the matrix? Uh, it's, a, it's a whole range of things t- to do with the... Uh, the present system, uh-huh. uh, where it's going, how it got here, and... Um, and that's called what, exactly? Which one? Uh, well, there's, a f- there's five of them, so oh. I haven't completely chosen the titles for them yet. That's yeah. great. Well, good for you. Well, when it gets cold up there, there's nothing to do but write and research. It, it, was, all, it was 30 below Fahrenheit last night. Yeah. <laughs> it's still 20 below today. Oh, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. All right, sir, thanks. It's an honor to have you on. Please uh, stay well. 
Well, thanks for having me on. All right. Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Fascinating fellow. I mean, this is what he does. Very, very well researched. 